Hello and welcome back to Control Alt Delete. This is the first episode of 2017, which is very exciting. I just wanted to say thank you so much for all of your support in 2016 and subscribing to this podcast. Um, it's been an amazing year for podcasts and I'm just so happy that people enjoy listening to this one. So thank you. I've got so much in store for 2017, so many more episodes and so many more incredible guests. So stay tuned. So today's guest is amazing. I am so excited to bring this to your ears. There is no one quite like this guest. Laura Dockrill is a performance poet, an author, an illustrator and a short story writer. She is the author of the hugely popular Darcy Burdock series and she recently wrote a YA novel called Lorelei and there's a follow-up book coming out this year so you keep your eye out for that. She has also written a number of adult poetry collections and her first poetry collection for children is out in July this year. It's called My Mum is a Grown down and it's about a wild hysterical and hilarious mum. The Independent call her a poet for the iPod generation and Red Magazine call her their literary girl crush. She's just full of creativity and joy and energy and we met up at the Hoxton Hotel, lay on the bed chatting about comparison and finding new ideas, writing, working with children and being in love with your work. I think this is a very inspiring episode. Laura is the best and I hope you enjoy it. Here it is. Okay, so um, I'm here with Laura Dockrill. Thank you for inviting me in our velvet. <laughs> so we're both wearing velvet, first of all, which we're very happy about. And we both arrived in fur coats that could be sofas. Armchairs. And then now we're in a very small hotel room. I was worried that Laura might think I was kind of being a bit seedy, saying, um, come upstairs. But the shoes were straight away kicked <laughs> off and she got on the bed yeah. <laughs> without any questions asked. Yeah. So, but yeah, so thanks to the Hoxton Hotel for letting us have this for Thank a few you. it's really nice yeah, yeah so nice and the microphone is balanced on a little pile of books it is so how fitting. very topical <laughs> you're one of my favorite people to follow online and just in general through your books because you're so creative oh, and the reason i wanted to do this podcast is because we're trying to kind of form our identity and be creative and create art or whatever that means in this world of everything being online but you still manage to create amazing stuff and i feel like you've got a good balance Emma, that's so nice to say because sometimes you do work all by yourself on your own and you sort of feel... There are days, I've had it actually last week, loads, where I just sort of look at my art or my world and I think, what am I doing? Like, does anybody actually care? Is this kind of for a reason? And you can have those moments and if you kind of turn that negative voice up a little, the volume up a little bit too loud, it can start to speak too loud. And I guess when you are not even just an artist, just a person if you listen to that voice too loud it can kind of cripple you and, and when, when people are doing stuff like what you're doing it kind of just makes it all worthwhile because we do need someone to web us all together and remind us that actually we are kind of we, we are needed yeah because i guess it's funny when you realize that people who you look up to and think oh they're they're just doing so well and they've got you know they've got such a theme going on in their work and they really stand out and do stuff that no one else could but then they might even be thinking oh maybe this isn't good oh. enough completely everybody thinks that and I mean I know like from some of my friends that are successful in loads of different fields from acting and music and they have days when they look at themselves in the mirror and think I can't do this anymore nobody wants me nobody's and you just think what the hell like I'm looking at you like wow and can't help but compare and I think every everyone's kind of chewing each other's tails in this circle and I, I mean I, I think what well, the point you just made that was really interesting because sometimes I panic and I think 
why can't I just choose one? Why do I have to spread myself so thin white? But I heard Miranda July speak. Did you? Uh, she was incredible. Um, she spoke at the Royal Festival Hall with my friend Penny. And um, she said she sees her art, because obviously she makes films, she writes books, she writes scripts, she makes art. And she's incredible and she talks beautifully too. But she's saying that she sees her art like um, mini plants in a circle around her. And she's kind of got this watering can and she'll, sur- she'll water one plant and then she'll go on to the next, say that's her film, I'll spend a bit of time with film, and then I'll water this, which is my art, and then I'll water this, and by the time she's kind of tried everything, she has to go back and do more film, and that's how I sort of feel, I feel like I do a bit of poetry, and then I want to do a bit of art, and then I want to write for kids, and I want to write for adults, and a bit of script, and a bit of that, and I used to panic and think, gosh, is it all spilling, would it make a full glass of milk if I just concentrated on one glass of milk, rather than kind of dampening <laughs> everything, which is how I sometimes feel, but... I guess I'm 30 and I think maybe I've got more time. Eventually people just know that you spread across your whole, your brand is like you really, that's the essence yeah. that you bring. And all my favourite artists, whether it's be David Bowie or Ricky Gervais, you know, mm. they do loads. It's really hard to just yeah do one thing. Do you find that? I find that, I think when I think of you, I think that you're a storyteller. It would make sense for you to use lots of different platforms. And that's why, like you say, the... The main thing is that it's you. So if it was a film or if it was a poem or a book or just like a painting or something, if it's, it's the name that's on it, I think. But I wanted to, I wanted to like go back to the beginning as well because um, it, it, did you grow up in a really creative household? Because yeah. I feel like um, sometimes there's two people. There's people who are like, oh my god, I know no artists. I'm such a freak. Or it's like. I know a few and I still feel like a freak, but, <laughs> but but maybe there's a few people around me who are like, that's okay that you want to be this yeah. singer or painter or... Yeah, so I did go, yeah, um, in, a, in a creative background, my parents have never put the pressure on us to earn money, thank God, <laughs> and also to get really, really, really get grades because we just they knew we would have called them out. My parents had a massive like... I'm gonna call you I'm out. I'm gonna call you right out, actually, there. <laughs> parents have fantastic wardrobes. They I do have fantastic wardrobes. My parents, yeah, they're so inspired. You know, I'm so lucky. I really am grateful for them every single day. They gave us everything, but um, but most of the thing I am grateful for is the freedom to express and be confident with what we had to say. We, they, grew, they had a massive group of friends, my parents, a big pack, and um, I was the first kid to be born within that pack so for about three years it was just me and adults drunk adults and I would just tell stories to them communicate with them sleep on pub tables with leather jackets over me as a blanket and I I got became fascinated with earwigging and kind of picking up bits of gossip and would retell these stories you know to my friends or back to my parents and I'm obsessed with human beings (laughs) and the fact that they wouldn't have um, played down their vocabulary as as well around you I think would have yeah, like the more words you hear as a child and weird words and weird placing of words and my parents were both kind of educated themselves in this anarchic kind of mixture of like punk and falling in love with London and falling in love with each other they were very in love with each other um, and um, I, I feel like that was hugely inspiring for me and all of the work that I grew up with rather than my, my parents hated nursery rhymes and hated kids TV so I would be watching like the original Hairspray and Crybaby and Steptoe and Son and French and Saunders and listening to punk music and had this kind of I guess our own education which I completely owe to them so for me to do create something creative is not actually unusual and it's even just on the way here today I said oh mum like I'm 
I've got to like rewrite something to, today that I've been working on and I said you know sometimes this work in the arts do you ever feel like I can talk to her on a level about working mm-hmm. in the arts she does get it she doesn't go yeah. oh what's that you know so I'm really my brother and my sister both work freelance too and in the arts too so we're just really lucky that's really cool yeah that's so good. And we have a bit a little pack we have office days my brother's just taken my new press shots. We work together. My sister and I have worked together. We, yeah, we all collaborate. We're really lucky. That's so good. And and did they were they a big part to play in your choice of where you went to school and stuff like that? Or were you quite sort of like, I'm going here? So I grew up in Brixton. We, my primary school was not a great primary school. I loved it. Um, but they basically, they sold our, we had a tiny little flat in Brixton. They sold it and my mum bought like a ginormous derelict house with all the money and it had no hot water and no heating and it was like could see the gaps in the floor you know like you'd have to like literally hop like plank hop to get the cup of tea and um and I was livid at her because I was like about to start you know I was at secondary school and it was just you just wouldn't want to shower you just wanted to just it was freezing and um basically at that time my mum sent me to we went to managed to go to private school for a little bit they had some help from friends and I went for a few years and that was because she just wanted me to have this a chance and actually it just didn't work for me even when they when they were literally you know fight fighting to make the money every single wherever the fee terms were it wasn't easy for them to pull the money together and I would get angry at them and then I could see they were resentful because they were like we're literally putting everything in so you can mm-hmm. go to this school the pressure of that the pressure actually. of that and it was fracturing actually I do think you know it wasn't easy for them and then, like, and then Brit School came along, and it was free, and we just couldn't believe it. I remember when my mum was just like checking with everyone, "Is this is free? This this is free? This is free?" We walked around, they're like, "Yeah, it's free." <laughs> this is now it's like, "Can I get in?" So the Brit School has just absolutely changed my life, and I felt like I fit in. I'm not an academic person, and that's why I do. That's one of the biggest struggles I have in my job, Emma, is that um, being an author, a writer, and not feeling like an academic oh my god that's absolutely yeah. my fear makes you feel I so feel, I just don't feel I, legitimate I, I feel like yeah. a fraud every single day <laughs> no I, I feel like that at uh, literature oh, uh, festivals yeah yeah I just feel that I'm I can't even call myself an author no. sometimes at those you, yeah but then you know A.A. Gill oh yeah of course just passed away and I've just been binging on um you know <laughs> think pieces about him and stuff but he uh he there's this wonderful quote or like passage but he basically says that if you're good at, if you're really really good at something academically like you're going to be a boring adult basically and I just think it doesn't matter does it yeah but I do think there's a massive pressure particularly in our art form where we feel like we have to kind of it's basically this is what the biggest struggle is as well like when I go to school visits as well so frustrating because I feel like creative writing is English when kids think of English they think of like that as an academic subject like the same as maths and science but it's not it's creative but it's actually more like art or drama Mm. but they're sapping like all of the kind of not the teachers teachers are working really hard but I feel like in general the syllabus is sucking out completely the essence of what we need to be learning and that's why actually I don't know if you know about the um, London curriculum that's just coming into play which is like a new version of the curriculum but it's about London so celebrating all the London kind of hotspots I think it's an amazing idea that kids can engage with the city and understand it and then actually you know visualise these places kids think that most authors are dead Mm. and they're not going to imagine someone like you Emma rolling in in this brilliant fur coat and your clip copy silver boots like kids don't see that so when they see you they're going to be like wow I can be that she's not that much older than me like I can be a writer Mm. in the moment they think I can be an author when I'm dead 
or I won't be one at all because I don't know what loads of words mean. I think that's really important that you can see something so you can think you can be it. Completely. And that makes you think it's possible. That's all you need, but it's like anything, isn't it? Falling off a bike or anything like that. Once it happens, once you've seen it and you've felt it, you can do it. I, it's weird, isn't it? Because in art, it's kind of like the more kind of crazy you are, they think the better the artist you're going to be. In books, it feels like the more straight and narrow you are, the kind of better your books are going to be. And it's that's not the way it is at all. Or the more miserable you are sometimes. The more miserable there's you a are. kind of myth, isn't there, about, you know, you have to be really down in the dumps to write anything good. But then when I follow your stuff, I mean, obviously, the children's books are very kind of uplifting and you want them to be. But... Um, there's nothing wrong with being happy and creating things as well. No. I'm still trying to kind of not feel guilty sometimes about having fun. <laughs> I actually, like, really try to um, make my work happy deliberately because I... That's what makes me happy. Like, I... You know, when I go through a life bomb in my life, which does happen, which happened to me not too long ago, I, I feel like the, the thing that I was terrifies me the most about of losing anything is, is losing my capacity to create and I had this once this this terrible like nightmare once that I kind of saw the world of my art like a painting and I felt like this like it wasn't a rain shower it was more severe it was like an ice bucket challenge paint wasn't it was just sliding off the canvas and I remember just trying to keep the colors and onto the thing and that's how I that's like my greatest fear is that I would lose touch with my ability mm. to create and I, I actually frightens me how kind of willing I am, ready to prepare to sacrifice, you know, even to the point where I, what I want to be best at in the world is to be a mum, but I would be willing to not be a mum if it meant that I had more, could do this job, if I didn't earn enough money to be able to support another person, because that's what I want to be the very best at. Yeah. I'd be like, well, I have to carry on to create because you could your kid would be resentful for example whatever and I'm sure you feel the same when you're completely married to your work it becomes your spirit and it's not going to work today you embody that all the time it goes through your yeah I know exactly what your you your body doesn't it you can't really switch it off and you attract people that do the same things you do and you they they attract you too and you realize how much of a part of well it's a it's a such a huge part of who you are yeah like I, I know that work is is wrapped up in identity and a lot of your self-worth might come from being important in the industry or something like yeah. that and, and I get that but I also think that when you're creating something it's like without it you kind of you might not be you everybody has you know if you're building a table that's still your art you know that's still your way to express yourself and that table for that time when you're building it is still bound to you yeah obviously you've written so many books now do you have a routine do you have a i mean i i know that like the writing process is probably something that you have been asked so many times so we don't have to talk about it much but <laughs> is is every book completely different i'm starting with something new at the moment and um like i would say i panicked because like i've been i'd started it in april and haven't touched it and i opened it again yesterday Half the day was spent reading what I'd written and a bit cringing, obviously. <laughs> and the other half was spent... I did about three or four hours intensely writing. Now, to that to someone that works, say, at a desk all day long, is like, oh, you've only done three hours work today, four hours work today. But when I'm writing and I'm my fingers are growing, you know, and I'm not worrying about anything right now, this is just the beginning stage and I throw it all down, 
if I'm writing something angry, my heart is pounding out of my chest. Like I, I'm sweating. I, if I feel sad, I'll cry. I, I can make myself physically hungry actually <laughs> from writing. If I'm writing about food, um, so it's and kind of physical. I guess in some ways, not not to sound weird or wanky or whatever, but it is because you're cooking. You you've been breathing it for so long in your mind. The character's so real that when they finally get to speak for you, sorry. Um, when you finally do get to speak. You kind of, um, you, it's like you get opening this box that's been filled to the brim. You know what it's like. And they're like, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. And it's like, okay, now you've got a chance. They kind of, and I don't want to make it sound like it's spiritual. You know, it's not like I'm summoning someone from the dead. But you are finally going, okay, you've got three hours. Tell me everything you want to say. Yeah. That's how I feel. So you have to feel like that, that bursting of like, I'm ready now to write this book. Yeah. So it has to brew. Yeah. And how long does that sometimes take? Well, I'm really trying ever not to sound so, ah, uh, like, you know, I'm pretty, pretty spiritual. friggin' spiritual these days. Are so. you? Okay. <laughs> but but you, once, if they, I'm just really trying all the time and all the work and I create or whatever I do, actually, just in life, I'm just, as soon as I'm not having fun, I'm going to stop. And as soon as I get this kind of thing that goes, okay, we're doing it right now, I just go with it, you know, just try and live a kitten lifestyle, which is just being curious and eat when you're hungry and sleep when you're tired. And Love that play yeah i'm being a little kitten basically and if my this character's coming out of me being like come on we're gonna write right now i'm just gonna go with that if i don't have anywhere to be but even with that now my friends are starting to get the hang of me and they're like okay if you sometimes i might just be like i will resent you if i have to sit in the cinema with you right now when i really want to talk to this character can i take you out for a drink tomorrow instead isn't that important to have people that know you that they well have to know because you. i feel i've had times where when so the so last year when i was writing my book i would be sat in a pub on a sunday with the people i love most in the world how do you explain that to people like i don't want to be with you right now because i've got something to go and make it's a hard well, that's, conversation that's such an honest point i'm so glad you said it and you do sound like you're being a prick like it's like how do i express my how do i say it's not you i literally i'm being tormented in my mind and i will feel so much better if i just give me a couple of hours but it's hard isn't it because we fall into a well that's what happens i don't know where time goes i read back something i've written and i'm like i do not remember a remember writing that my brain was hijacked and also <laughs> i don't know where yeah, the time I have goes. memory blanks sometimes it's, it's, like, how did that yeah how the hell but there's a real stigma i think is being a workaholic mm. which you could call it i don't like to call it that i, we like, are, to think, I like to think i'm just like i love making things we are workaholics. but it is work it is it's, yeah. it's always being plugged in but also loving it this is this is what makes me workaholic it's true it's difficult to say i'd rather go and be writing right now what would you rather you could spend five days uh from nine till six at a desk and nothing will come and you'll you'll sit there and you could do that and try and try all these different angles to get into a story and tackle it but maybe it's the moment when you're walking in you've got your red wine in your hand and your friends around the table and you're like bing like it's happened now and yeah. you, you have to get that net out and you've got to catch that dream right there and then because if you don't it's you don't know when they, they're few and far between musicians do that a lot don't they i've heard um really that there's some i'm obsessed with listening to like interviews of people who are totally out of my field that's good um like uh, some rappers who basically they'll do that they'll they'll have a little um recorder thing dictaphone and they'll just go off and sing into it yeah and it makes sense like that's why the iphone is so good the iphone has just saved my bacon basically because it's on you all the time and some of it's terrible and it's like when you wake from a dream and you kind of have um, this idea but you, you have to catch it and you're absolutely right you know the most important part of half of this is just having friends that 
are willing to be there when you're crying your eyes out or on the five days when no ideas are coming yes. but let you go let you go let you do what you need to do when you need to do it yeah be there when when you need them yeah vice versa exactly um it's interesting that you say that you when you grew up with lots and lots of adults when you were a child and then now you do a lot with children it's like the best colleagues in the world like the best audience and whenever i you know all teachers like me because i think they think i'm too honest with them you know and I'm too cheeky and I will say things like shut the front door and they think I'm going to say something else and I just want to be honest and open with kids and I tell them who I fancy and I talk about my favourite ever teacher you know I say who's fit on TV and I talk about my favourite teacher who had ginormous boobs and a pierced nose and how great she was for cuddling and I think some teachers are like is that inappropriate but I just want to be real with them you know and I I say to them if they go you can't say boobies and I'm like most of you were drinking from them about four years ago (laughs) So can we not be weird about boobies? Yeah, they're, um, they're literally keeping you alive. They're literally keeping you alive, guys. So um, yeah. does anything surprise you when you're when you're talking to kids about um, having a career in the arts? Is there any kind of misconceptions or they all want to know money straight away? It's like how many millions do you earn? It's like how do I break this down to you? That doesn't happen. Why do people think that um, anyone who's written any book is a millionaire? My dad says to me all the time. He goes. Um, don't you want to be in the window of Waterstones? Don't you want to be number one in the book charts? Like, as if I literally go, I'd rather not, actually. But then it's like the flip reverse of that is they like the idea of us being this kind of, you know, we wear this one sheepskin coat that we have to have for the 40 years of our life and we never can afford to get our hair cut. And we want, they want us to have those shoes that are talking and, you know, be <laughs> living on wine and being sick in our handbags and all those kind of things. And we'll die in some sort of crazily lonely way, won't we? We'll be, like, yeah. impaled on railings or something like the that cat will kill us then. exactly and um just die in our flat and no one will know for years and years because we cancel on too many sunday roasts <laughs> but you know anyone i always say this anyone can be a writer that's why i find it so odd when i'm do leave master classes or writing classes i just think guys i'm not telling you how to write like you write how you talk yeah the biggest the writing that sucks is writing that is trying to be like someone else and that's the writing that sucks basically yeah and it's it's sometimes when I don't know if you have this, but when I'm writing something new, I'm I scare myself that I'm actually copying something subconsciously. Do you read? You must read a lot to be inspired uh, yeah. to write. And I think, oh, am I am I influenced too much by that person? That's why I always say though to all kids when they say, well, "How do you become an author?" But it's not um, it's not just about reading. It's about engaging in the whole world and to do anything you have to especially when you're writing because not all your characters are going to live a life like you and read books you're going to have characters that are obese that smoke that have babies that go to the supermarket that maybe think about suicide you're going to have characters of every single walk of life so you have to engage in live a rich tapestry of life that is threaded with a colourful world of everything of mm. food and art music and people and conversations with conversations strangers. with strangers exactly everyone should try something out of their comfort zone yeah that's my favourite thing to do I think that's why I love talking to anyone and everyone about I'm yeah. like what's your experience of that I think sometimes it gets a bit much they're like I don't I don't even want to talk about it right now. I'm like, sorry. I would go and scoop out a stranger <laughs> and bring them into a hotel room with you. <laughs> oh, I was planning to do that after this. Um, so next year, to yes. wrap up. So yeah. um, you have so much on. Mm. 
I'm, I'm just yeah I thought if even if you had one other book coming out next year I was like god that's a lot to talk about we have three well I did know this year was feeling quite it basically got to the end of this year and I was like why haven't because basically obviously as you know there's so many um authors the publishers don't invite they can't invite every author to every single party each year so if you have a book out that year you go to the party so got since the end I was like why haven't I been invited to any parties this year and I was like really annoyed and then I was like and then I had to look back at my diary I was like oh my god I've not had one book out this year this is and that's how I realized and I was like felt like the year felt really quiet but because I've been writing 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 and I realised that, yes, because next year I've accidentally got free books out. You'll be at all the parties. My only... It's not even about the parties. <laughs> I'm not, so why I'm doing this job, okay? Although I do love... But no. Um, it's not because of that. I just... That's how I realised and I thought... Mm. And then I, anyway, I emailed um, my agent and I suddenly was like, is this a bad thing? But she's like, no, it's a great thing. They're all really different. They're all with different publishers and um, two of them already have homes um, like this is follow-ups so I've got Darcy Burdock book 5 coming out and Christopher Rex in February with Random House Penguin Random House and then I have um, Aurabelle which is follow-up to Lorelei coming out in April Can't wait with Hockey um, and then I have a really this is going to be the first time I'm going to say this Ooh. can you say it? I think I can and I, I'm going to and then okay. if I can't I'll tell you Okay. it's called uh, My Mum's Growing Down and it's a poetry collection with Faber and Faber <gasps> Um, wow, about, I love that title. Thanks. Um, it's about my mum, who is basically a grown down, which is an adult that's grown down, and all the difficulties and wonderful, amazing adventures that happen in that relationship. And you know what? It's just given me such a bug back for poetry. I all I want to write is poetry right now. I want to write books of verse and because um, I do songwriting as well. And I was already getting the bug, but like just with lyrics but that's like oh now this is what I'm going to do adult stuff and so I'm going to there's going to be a year of poetry I reckon I like, just had a full on like shiver of um, nostalgia from, from like poetry at school and loving poetry really? I can't wait to read it I have a little like you know <laughs> like so poetry cute. when you grow up is so is, is a real part of your learning it really is and, um, and it's the way you communicate oh, I can't wait to get back into reading it oh I'm, I'm really looking forward to it and it was just so fun to write it's been the most I just want to do more and more and more basically so I just hope it takes because I feel like I could really see I know not in an annoying way but I could really see myself doing that for a long term like that's that m- must feel good that could be knowing. a bit of a glass being a bit full of milk rather than splashing everywhere that could be a bit so I'm going to do a big tour and I want to do loads of and I want to get kids talking and writing and talking gibberish and oh, making amazing. nice sounds and so yeah, we'll see what will happen there. That'll be fun. Yeah, so fun. Yes. Uh, you just reminded me of something actually, which you, you know you said Ricky Gervais earlier about and, and how lots of men um, are many different things. Do you think with uh, women in the media, they're like the next Lena Dunham mm-hmm. or like the new Bridget Jones? It always needs to be a reference point. Whereas why can't we just be us and like do loads of different things like loads of other artists do? I don't think they do that as much with men. They will never say, like, the next Ricky Gervais to, like, a new comedian. No, they probably wouldn't. I know, and it's a real shame. Um, Do you get compared to anyone? No, this is what my agent's worry is. Everyone always says they say... The thing is, there's not really... I... I mean, because I try and do so many avenues, but same with you, really. It's like, how do you kind of say maybe they would have gone you're the next and then he did a podcast and they're like oh no she's not yeah <laughs> might have gone, she's the next oh but now she's doing that she's not and people's like I always why are think, they obsessed with the next 
They are, and they like to categorise, and I do, sometimes, no, I do, uh, this has been one of the biggest battles I've had through the last 10 years that I've done this as my actual job, I guess, like, as my profession, has been, if I just made it easy for them to label me, I maybe would do that, you know, it's like, maybe I would be more successful if I did that, but I would feel like it would be like taking one of, saving one of my babies, Mm. like, off a sinking ship and leaving the others to sink, and the runts have to come too. Yeah. (laughs) You know Amazon, where it's like, um, you know, if you like this, you're like this. Yeah. And it's almost like when you're doing your own stuff so much, it's on Amazon, it'll be like, do you like this? And then it'll be like all of your other books underneath. You're like all these then. Because at least you can have your own like reference points in a way. No, it is cool. I remember, you know, I remember one day I did, I did look on one of it said what else, what else you'd like if you liked my books, and it was like Flight of the Concords and Laura Marling or something, and I was like, that's pretty okay. Yeah, Fine. I love that. <laughs> but um. Not all, you know, you can, oh, do you know You what? must get Miranda July coming up on, on Amazon next to yours. You know what I love the most is when I go to do a book signing and I'm next to, say, a string of authors that are incredibly, you know, just the, the real deal, you know, like authentic, legitimate, got the scholarships and, you know, scholars, everything. Actually, one time I did get in a taxi, a taxi and the, the driver said, what do you do for your job? And I said I was an author. And he went, I've never had a scholar in my car. I was like, you still have not had a scholar in <laughs> That's what I mean. Yeah. We feel like frauds, aren't we? But that's I, the word that I wanted, that I was looking for earlier scholar. in my mind. Is, is like, yes, scholarly. I wasn't feeling very scholarly. Well, I would never be able to say scholarly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, and basically when you see your kind of audience, your line queuing up, they always say they can see my line because it's like girls in like tiger suits. Stripy tights. Yeah, and like men with Mohicans and then it'll be like a child and then like a teenager and it will just be the kind of oddest little crew of misfits like Rocky Horror Show on tour (laughs) even if it's just five of them I just don't care because I just feel like I if that's it the little runts and misfits that's what I want oh that's that's the dream oh Um, oh, well thank you so much oh my god you're so good at this I felt so really I I love that I could talk to you for three hours this is the problem with the podcast actually is I like I'm always like oh I wish it was longer but you're really good at it thanks yeah you are Thank you so much for tuning in every week to my podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, If you have any feedback, tweet me at Emma Gannon. I'd love to hear what you think. And also, if you have two minutes, I'd love you to leave a rating or a review on iTunes. That would be amazing. Thanks again and see you next week.